0: And I am Anthony, and we are glad to be back with you. We had a week off; we missed a week. Life got in the way. We apologize. We're not. We're we're not really sorry, but you know, it is what it is.
1: It sorry was impromptu. <laughs> it definitely
0: wasn't. It definitely
1: wasn't. Um, it definitely wasn't planned. Let's just, no, it just put it that way.
0: We even tried. Like we tried to catch up, and and it was just like it was like something happened every time we were trying to. To record before yep. you know yep we ran out of time but we were just like Mo- you know what most oh well. of it was my <laughs>
1: most of it was my fault this time i will say that most of it was my fault um just i was had some stuff going on so me, too, me i wasn't upset about it for the record <laughs> okay well then i feel i feel less bad <laughs> about it so but we're back we're back sorry for that a little uh that week off that we had um we'll sometimes uh, you just we'll need a it, break my friends We'll make it up to you somehow with this episode that we're doing tonight. So it's going to be um, the best episode ever. It's going to be the best episode we've recorded this week. That's right. You're darn right. So, well, um, speaking
0: of best episodes ever, we got to drink beer before we do anything else to make this a good episode. I've got another cider.
1: Why don't you talk? Why don't you <laughs> tell us about your cider? Because you're you're on a cider kick. I think you're. I think you're doing a like a cider. Like a cider tour?
0: Maybe I am. I don't know.
1: cider tour? This is what Um, happens
0: when I sent my wife to the store. She came home with two ciders. And uh, I had the candy corn cider, which is still really good. Love that. Did you finish finish those? So you know how you get down to like the one and you're like, all right, if I drink this, I'm out of them. But if I don't drink it, I still have one. And I can say I still have one. But if you don't drink it, you don't enjoy it. That's true. I am going to drink it. I have one left. Actually, and I've been like, I,
1: I, I feel saboring. the same way. I have a bottle of Buffalo Trace in my cabinet mm-hmm. that I bought probably five months ago.
0: And you like poor, have little tiny opened. sips?
1: No, I haven't opened it yet. Oh dang! <laughs> I was hoping to. I was hoping, um, uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, I was hoping to be able to drink it after or at halftime of the Alabama game. I was like, hey, I'm going to be <laughs> able to crack that thing open. <laughs> and go. I was going to go get a cigar and everything, and then the second half happens. So <laughs> the
0: second half happens. We happened. won't talk Speaking about. Of which, that. Did you see the SEC shorts after the Alabama-Tennessee game?
1: Um, I don't know if I've seen it yet this week.
0: So it was. It was really funny. It made me laugh because I feel like I like I have a lot of Alabama fans. Obviously, because I live in South Alabama, I have a lot of friends who are Alabama fans, and so I'm like blowing them up. Midway through the the Tennessee game, and I'm like, "You guys doing all right? Y'all y'all hanging mm-hmm. in there?" I was like, "Now yeah. how Georgia feels all all season long, <laughs> right?" But uh, well, but so I texted him, and then so the SEC shorts was like, "It's like Alabama in a garage, and he's all strapped to a chair, and it's like Alabama in the first half, and then they're you know they're threatening him and bullying him, and then." The garage opens and it's the same dude but he's wearing a shirt that says Alabama the second half and he's like all mean mugging and stuff it was pretty I laughed at it I thought it was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was frustrating as I'll get out as a Tennessee fan to watch but you know what? It's just football and my weekend wasn't completely ruined by a game played by 18 to 22 year olds. So, there you go. Um, it is just a game. So all right, let's talk about your let's talk about yes. beers or ciders. Um <laughs> since you're to, drinking back to a where ci- we started. Yeah. So back to the cider question. Um, what are you drinking?
0: So I have this one is from castellum ciders. I think I said that right. C-A-S-T-E-L-L-U-M. Castellum or castellum. I don't know. Blueberry pineapple cider. And the one thing I've discovered is that like I kind of enjoy like fruity sour-ish or tart beers so i hope this one's going to be in that vein it looks promising coming off the candy corn my wife did well with the candy corn this is the other one that she bought me so we're going to see if she can go two for two and who knows maybe i'll just send her to the store to start picking out beers for me because if she does a good job then you know maybe you she may have, have, you good may have taste.
1: found your uh your uh beer runner one that's right. Yeah, they say it, like QB one.
0: QB one. Beer runner
1: one. B R one. Yeah. B R one. So
0: blueberry pineapple from Castellum Ciders. That's what I've got tonight. What are you drinking? So
1: I'm going back to Prairie Artisan Ales based in um looks like McAllister, Oklahoma. Um, I have the pumpkin pie treat. It is a sour ale with pumpkin pie spiced blend and toasted marshmallow flavor. Um, 5.5 ABV. I've never seen this on a can before. It says to gently agitate before opening. That like shake it up. I guess. I mean, just like barely do like this right here. But gently, um, gently. (laughs) I did not realize it was a sour until about 10 minutes ago. And I, Anthony will tell you, I got very excited. He, He did. Can't attest to that. I, I was very excited. Also, the can has like orange or white checkerboard. I on was it. just
0: about to say, I was like, that looks like
1: a Tennessee can for you. I did not even I didn't notice it until just now. Like it's almost the right color and everything. So um Tennessee's coming up a lot tonight. RAP because yes, they, they uh <laughs> lost on Saturday. But um yeah, pumpkin pie treat. Um, I think, I feel like pumpkin pie is a, you love it or hate it kind of thing. There's mm. not, I don't know a lot of people who are like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Most people it. are like, most people are like, I love it or I hate it. So, um, yes. I really enjoy pumpkin pie. It's one of my favorite Thanksgiving desserts. I hate, um, it. made right. It's fantastic. So, but so well, you won't you be trying, you won't be trying this. I'm sure. Probably um,
0: not. But I did that one pumpkin spice beer. I did the one pumpkin spice beer like a year ago, and it was terrible. I've, oh gosh,
1: I've completely erased whatever that was from my memory. (laughs) I have no memory of that at all.
0: (laughs) It was bad. I did, it was awful. It was awful. Okay. Well,
1: hopefully, this won't live up to those expectations, but let's crack our beers open and see what we got. Let's do it. Here we go.
0: Three, two, one, crack. Dude, this thing is purple. You thought I was kidding. Bro, it is blood red. Purple.
1: I hope I agitated it enough. I really didn't do much to it. It does smell nice, though.
0: I don't know if you can. Let's see here. Let's see if I turn it up. No, you can't see any better, dude. This thing is like—it looks like red dark. wine. It looks like red wine. This is this has an interesting smell. This might be majority blueberry with a yeah. little bit of pineapple.
1: No, about to say it, it, that looks more like mashed up blueberries. So yes, it does. Um, well, let's let's see what we got.
0: Let's drink. Cheers. Bottoms up. I can get behind that. That's a good cider. I can go. (laughs) Yes, you can. You already got it filled in and everything.
1: (laughs) This thing is five Luther's dude. Um, Nice. The sour flavor is about perfect. And the pumpkin pie flavor. Like, like I said, if you like pumpkin pie, this is going to be right up your alley. Um, all the flavors nothing is overpowering but everything is married very well together yeah Um, it it tastes really really good it tastes like fall to me it tastes like (laughs) just sitting like watching the leaves falling out of the trees hitting the ground um like it has a very um like just cozy taste almost to it you know like yeah like like i feel like i'm sitting outside around a bonfire
0: is this like the male version of a pumpkin spice latte? It may be.
1: <laughs> it's pretty good. I like it. I'm not, I'm not upset about it at all. I'm very excited. Nice. Um, well, good. So, yeah, five Luthers for the uh, pumpkin pie
0: treat. Well done, Prairie. Well done. Prairie does pretty well. Like, I was looking back at some of the ones that we've done from Prairie, and they they typically do pretty well from, with us. So, good job, guys. Yeah. The Rainbow sherbet got... Five Luthers from you. Mm-hmm. I think it may have got five Luthers from me too. I'm trying to find where I did it. You did.
1: You did seasick crocodile.
0: Yep. I gave it five Luthers too. So rainbow sherbet both got got fives from both of us.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, seasick crocodile got four and a half. Patches treat got four and a half from me. And then this one's getting five.
0: So prairie ale's coming in hot. Mm. They're strong. I like so, it. So so the pineapple hot. blueberry blueberry pineapple. Tell us about that blueberry pineapple. So this thing is really good, like the balance of this. So there there's always a tendency when you use pineapple like pineapple has a very very distinct taste that if you get too much of it it could ruin something pretty quick. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say like they did a really good job mixing the blueberry and the pineapple together. So it's got like it's got that really good blueberry flavor and that's kind of the strong flavor but it's got mm-hmm. just enough of the tartness from pineapple to give it just this like like it's almost like a fruit punchy type of like I could drink this really fast and be like oh man <laughs> you know it's mm. like it's got that like I could chug this kind of flavor it's not it's not really over rich um but it's like also at the same time it's also just kind of there like it's it's just it's not perfect Um, So it's not going to be a five Luther for me, but I'm going to come as close as I can to five Luthers. I'm going to give this four and a half Luthers Um, because the flavor is there. The cider qualities of it are are spot on. Like it, it reminds me of a blueberry version of the angry orchard. Um, I feel like if, if angry orchard made a blueberry cider, this is what it would be like. I feel like they do make a blueberry. They probably do. And I bet it's this good because angry orchard does pretty good with their ciders. So, but it's got like, it's got just that little bit of, of, I don't, I like, I don't even, it's like Sprite qualities that, you know, that's what I'm looking for in a cider. Something that's got that bubbly flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's got just that, it it just kind of sits in your mouth a little. It's almost like a sour, but not quite. Um, More like a tart, I guess you could say. Um, But yeah, all in all, great flavor, great consistency, great cider. Four and a half luthers for me. So awesome. Good showing tonight. Yeah, we had a good week.
1: Um it's it's it has been yeah, for see eleven episodes since I gave a five. Yes, it has. And that's a long that's a long time for me to
0: go without giving a five. It is because you were you were doling them out a while back. You were like, You get a five and you get a five. You were like over yeah. with the fives. It was great. Yep.
1: Well, now that's maybe that ship has sailed. So <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Castellum Ciders with their Blueberry Pineapple Cider getting four and a half out of five from Anthony and Prairie Artisan Ales Pumpkin Pie Treat getting five Luthers out of five from me tonight. And there's our beer review. Um, encourage you, I'd encourage you to pick up either one of those, I think. Um, yep, definitely. Uh, go out and go out and see if you can find it and um, let us know what you think. We'll send you, or we'll uh, tell you where you can reach out to us at the end of the podcast. But um, if you can find anything we've, if you've had anything we've had on the podcast and would like to challenge us on our ratings, let us know. We'd love to hear that. Yes, um, we would. That'd be a great conversation to have. So, um, well, after the short break, uh, we're going to dive into, we're going to keep rocking and rolling. We're getting into second Timothy tonight. So, um, we'll, uh, Oh, excuse me. Stick with us, and right after this break, uh, we will uh, dive into uh, Second Timothy. welcome back to this week's episode of the Beers and bible podcast um thanks for sticking with us through that break there and um this week we're going to go through the book of second timothy um the uh next letter uh, of paul's that's in the in the new testament here um and we're just going to dive right in here so um so the uh, second timothy is a second appeal uh from paul to timothy or Allegedly from Paul to Timothy, uh, to remain faithful to Christ and the gospel. I say allegedly because it's written by, it is written by Paul, but many doubt that Paul actually wrote it. Um yeah. So, thanks, Bart Ehrman. Yeah. Urban. yeah. <laughs> um, this was written in uh, sixty four A.D. Um, and this is another letter, much like last week, that was addressed specifically to Timothy. But mm-hmm. applies to the church as a whole, so it's not just <clears throat> Paul or whoever wrote it. Or I'm just going to say Paul to keep it simple. Um, yeah. But you know, it's not just Paul saying, "Hey Timothy, these are the things you need to look out for." But it's almost like, "Hey Timothy, these are the things you need to look out for," and also the church y'all need to be listening to this stuff too. Um, yeah. A lot like some of the other letters that Paul has written um, that we've gone through and we'll continue to go through here. So. Um, this letter is written because Paul's been re- has been arrested again, um, and he's and he is urging Timothy to come visit him. Um, Paul probably feels that, um, he's ending the near of his life here, um, and this kind of this letter kind of feels like can feel like at times like a last will and testament, almost like a, hey, um. It just kind of reads like someone who doesn't know if he's going to write anything again, yeah. Um, which, um, you know, and remember, Paul and Timothy are almost like a father and a son in that yeah. relationship. So that's why there's like almost a sense of urgency from Paul to see Timothy again, but also to give him this this last bit of advice before he's potentially going to die. Yep. Um and then, uh, as we as we go through the over through as we go through the overview, which is hard to say, and as you, as you read it on your own, um, just keep in mind that the uh, the the emphasis here, Paul's going to spend a lot of time talking about the saving work of Christ, um, mm-hmm. and he's going to talk about a loyalty to both Christ and also to the teachings of Paul. Um, Paul Paul's going to say. Um, You know, he's going to recall their longtime friendship relationship. um, Mm -hmm. And so reminding Timothy to remain loyal to that, Um, remain loyal to the gospel against the false teachers. He's going to hit the false teachers again uh, here in Second Timothy. Um, So remain loyal and remain loyal to the true gospel. Um, And then, you know, Paul's going to kind of wrap it up with this idea that those who are in Christ eventually reach, um, final salvation. And so what that looks like, what that means, um, Paul's going to lay it out for us. So, um, that's just kind of some of the data to get situated here as we go through second Timothy. Um, Anthony, why don't you give us some advice on how to read it?
0: Sure thing. So, um, the book of second Timothy is not really a typical, pastoral letters. So these these letters here are are what's referred to as the pastoral letters or the pastoral epistles. Um one uh, a typical one's going to be one that offers like guidance and instruction. This one is more like a almost like a warning, I guess you could say. Um he's just kinda, he's he's really focusing on keeping Timothy on the right path. Um and this is in contrast to a lot of his other letters um, that, that have been written and Paul expects to be released from prison, but he's kind of embracing the idea that he may not end up being released from prison in, in this mm-hmm. one. This is what it gets to what you were talking about, where it's kind of like a, a last will and testament um, because he's, he's kind he's accepted this and he's kind of like, you know, this could happen any day. I don't really know what's coming. So I got to say these few things. I got to say this one, you know, this one more thing or this other thing. And so, in spite of this gloomy outlook uh, that we have, Paul remains completely focused uh, on on his blessings, the the blessings that he has in Christ. Remember, go back to Philippians. We talk about contentment and the actual context of Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, you put that verse in the in the idea in the context of contentment and being basically being content wherever you are. Paul has has really just kind of accepted uh, that he's in prison. And if he gets out of prison, fantastic. If he doesn't get out of prison, fantastic. You know, either way for him to live is Christ and to die is gain is the way that he frames that in in other letters. Yeah. And so, you know, you have this this very content view, this very even keel view of what Paul is going through. And he's just saying, hey, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prepare for better or for worse. Um, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to be prepared either way. I'm going to have a contingency plan. And so that's really the way, and that's, that's a really good kind of mind frame to set yourself in before you read the book of first, of second Timothy. Really? I mean, really first and second Timothy together. That's a really good uh, mindset to have yourself into. Um, and so because of this, this kind of focus that he has, he's going to really hone in on Christ's triumph over death and, re- and, and then mm-hmm. the resurrection to new life, because, you know, again, think back to Paul's, Paul's words, where he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, you know, he's saying that no matter what happens to me, I'm going to win. I'm, you know, I've, I've got this because it's Christ working in me and, and it's mm-hmm. Christ's triumph. It's Christ's victory through the cross. That's going to resurrect me to new life. Okay. Um, and so you you really pick up on that a lot here in second Timothy but in he like there's a gloomy outlook but he also has this hopeful kind of aspect to it as well where you can see you know he's going to he's going to really kind of just push Timothy against the false teachers he's going to push Timothy against the people who have been spreading stuff think back to first Timothy uh think back to um, the instruction that he gave him on on basically how to run the church, um, how to talk about the church, and 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 all of this that he gave, and I want to take just a second because this this past week we actually got an email, and I wanted to talk to you because this is this is an a fantastic question that he's asked that really sets up the the combination of First and Second Timothy being read together, um, and it's a guy. His name is Jerry or Jeremiah. Uh, his email says Jeremiah but his his name says Jerry so Jerry if you're listening thank you so much for the email we appreciate it but I want to take just like a quick second because I think it fits into the advice here um your question that you ask and so I just want to talk about it you you asked the question how far of a step when we talked about first Timothy uh three and we talked about women pastors and we gave our our opinions on that our thoughts on that on on how first Timothy uh, Timothy three applies and we might've got a little excited on that one. It, it was kind of fun. I do. I enjoyed that discussion. Um, but Jerry asked this question. And I think it's a fantastic question. It says, how far of a step is it from where we are now me, again, uh, you know, the beers of Bible podcast uh, to a non-gendered reading of first Timothy three. And I think that's a fantastic question because we talked specifically about a pastor and a pastoral role and, you know, what a pastor does. And, and so, you know, as, as we're talking about Christ's uh, resurrection and new life and and how this helps us against false teachers, you know, it, Jerry Jerry gives us some details about himself, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all of that, but, you know, I just want to say for us, for me, um, I think there's, there is a pretty vast degree of separation. I don't know that I could ever get to a non-gendered reading of 1 Timothy 3 because I think the Greek text is pretty clear there. Um, the Greek text is definitely very gendered towards males. Now, again, I'm going to caveat that by saying that exactly what we said last week, that I think we have to focus on what a pastor actually is. And I'm going to go a little bit further and say that I think a church can only have one pastor, one shepherd, one leader, regardless of the size of the church it could mm-hmm. be 200 people it could be 20,000 people but there is only going to be one pastor and i believe that is what timothy what paul is addressing there in timothy first timothy and he's tying it again here to second timothy because he's talking about false teachers and and so when you talk about women being in leadership roles in churches and in different aspects of leadership i'm going to be what's called a a soft complementarian okay Um, I'm going to say that the actual role of pastor is limited to men. Okay. Now, again, read that or understand that in the context of the way that I described a pastor, there is one pastor in a church. And so when churches start talking about associate pastors and these pastors and those pastors and media pastors, and, you know, we've already discussed that when you talk about that, I think, I think the door, Opens and, and because you only have the one pastor who is charged with the authority of a church of a local Mm -hmm. congregation or a local body. Yeah. Okay. And so I think this is where it gets into the, you know, the Rick Warren thing where he's got uh, a woman, a woman being a, a, I guess you could say like a campus pastor of one of the Saddleback campuses. Um. You know, I have my disagreements with Rick Warren and, and, you know, that's not to air out here because those are not what we're talking about. But, but I think when you get to this, this idea of what the American or the Western church has defined pastor as we've really kind of muddied the water so much that, that we don't really know how to define it. And so, yeah. you know. Uh, Jerry, Jerry here mentions he says that um, he feels like we hit the nail on the head when it comes to the American-European application of the term pastor. Man, I'm I'm with you on that. You know, I'm not an egalitarian, but I am a soft complementarian, which means that I kind of like I understand or I'm trying to understand both sides of the of the equation. You know, um, people who say that women should be pastors, uh, people who say that women shouldn't be pastors. I'm not going to put a woman in the role of a pastor the way I define pastor, which is the person who is heading up the local body of the church. I'm not going to do that. And I'm never going to put that non-gendered reading into 1 Timothy 3 right there. But when you talk about a woman supporting a pastor as a teacher to women or as a Bible teacher in the church, man, it, it really gets gray for me right there. And, and I think that at that point, you're not talking about a non-gendered reading of first Timothy three. I think you're talking about different leadership roles in the church that don't Mm -hmm. apply to first Timothy three. And so I don't have to non-gender first Timothy three to make egalitarianism work. Um, For me, it's a, well, you're talking about a, uh, a children's director being a woman. Okay. So you're, you're, deciding that that is not a pastor. And then we get to talk about the youth director and the, you know, media director and, and, and now you're just not calling people pastors to make it work. Okay. You know, I I don't know if I muddied the waters or made them any clearer, but I thought that was a really great question uh, that Jerry sent to us. And I appreciate the question because, you know, I, uh, again, we we have asked and we want to be challenged. You know, mm-hmm. I want to hear somebody else's perspective. Jerry may not be in the same camp that we're in. Um and and that's perfectly fine because because it, we don't have to agree. That's, you know, as long as we agree on the the basics, you know, that salvation is through Christ alone through faith alone. Man, we're good. You know, once we get past salvation, we're good because if it's not essential to the gospel, it's not essential to me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and I admit that I have Calvinistic tendencies. Michael may not have as many Calvinistic tendencies as I do. Um, but, but I have those tendencies and, and I try my best to keep them in check as, as much as I can. So I always appreciate when people who don't have Calvinistic tendencies on the way they interpret scripture to, to kind of push back to me because it helps me think and it helps me work through what I actually believe. And, and, and so Jerry, I appreciate the question. I appreciate, um, you sending this question to us and and i hope that 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 brings a little clarity to your answer i'm i'm definitely going to reply to your email too so um know that that's coming but but i i wanted to tie that in right here as we talk about the advice because i think first timothy and second timothy can tie together in these areas the way that paul is writing both of these letters and he's really addressing kind of the same thing you said it from the beginning this is a second letter to timothy to remain faithful to christ it's the same thing he's talking about in first timothy mm-hmm. he's just giving him a, a little addition to add on to there um so i hope that's helpful um did you want to add anything to that no not really I totally went on a tangent right there <laughs> it's okay no i was just gonna say like you you
1: you basically said it like um And we've harped on it in the past too, so I don't know if this is worth even repeating, but I'm going to say it anyway. So when we talk about pastors and we talk about the term pastor, and if if a man is the head of your children's department and you give him the title pastor, and then he leaves, and then you have a woman take that same role and she is doing all the same things the man was doing, but you won't give her the title of pastor, then either... He didn't, he should not have been a pastor or she should be like, like there's no, exactly right. Like there's, there shouldn't be this like disconnect between the two, just because a woman is your, the lead, the leader of your ministry doesn't, if you're going to, if you're going to say anyone's a pastor, then it shouldn't matter if it's man or woman. Yes. And I, and I agree with, I agree with Anthony as far as like the head of the flock when you talk about what scripture lays out, like the head of the flock scripturally should be a man. Yes. And needs to be a man. But when you get, when you get into different departments or ministries or whatever, like there are areas where women are more qualified to lead than men would be. A man has no business leading a woman's ministry. Yeah. A man has no business leading a girl's small group. Uh, Mm -hmm. A man has no business, um, you know, doing like being in a being in a position that he cannot understand, cannot comprehend, cannot, yeah, um, you know, cannot even. He he couldn't teach them adequately how to even apply scripture to what they're going through because he's never gone through it. Yeah. So, I think oh. that there are definitely there are definitely areas where women are more qualified to lead. And I don't know how we differentiate between director or pastor or leader or pastor. Yeah. I think it's, if you just if you just throw the term pastor out all willy-nilly, that's where you get into this. Like, oh, a woman can be a pastor, then she can be the pastor of a church. And yeah. I don't agree with that. Um, I don't necessarily agree with a woman being like a campus pastor. Um, Because that's still a flock, you know, if it, it, yeah. even if it's like a satellite campus of a bigger church, I don't agree that a woman could be or should be the pastor of that specific campus. That's not yeah. to say that a woman can't be a pastor in that can't have the title pastor in that church in a different capacity. I just don't think women should be leading the flock as a whole even if it's a part of the whole flock that yeah. sounded really convoluted as i said it and i well, realized that. i mean
0: it's you, you have to take into consideration what the american church has created with this yeah. like this whole multi-site thing i mean i do i agree with it on some levels yes on some levels no I, I think we have to think long and hard about this but uh let me let me give you an example from church history of women performing leadership responsibilities in the church. And this is going to this is going to relate exactly to baptism. So, one of the things that uh especially new hard complementarian guys are going to say is that only a pastor should baptize or the parent of a child, should, you know, or a parent of a person should baptize. Mm-hmm. So, if you go back and read church history, In the olden days, people were baptized naked. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So in order to prevent the pastor from lusting, women baptized women. Mm. So there has to have been some type of leadership from women in the church, in the early church, where they had the responsibility to baptize to offer the sacrament of baptism in the early church. So you cannot deny that women held leadership positions in the church Mm -hmm. because they performed baptisms. It's historically documented. And so, you know, for for those who, who say that, you know, well, women have never carried a role of leadership in the church, in all of church history. You're absolutely wrong, and I'm going to challenge you on that right here, right now. You're absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's again, we're not discussing, you know, where women should fit. Absolutely women should fit into roles of, of leadership in the church. Are they leading the church? Absolutely not. But are they serving in roles of leadership in the church? Absolutely yes. Hmm. And, and I will take that belief and I will take that ecclesiology all the way down. I'll do it. I'll take it with you. Send me another email, please. Because I firmly believe this. And I think that the American church has disrupted this idea by insinuating that Men get to appoint men in the church and men are the ones who lead the church and men are the ones who do everything in the church. And women's only role is to serve in the kitchen and serve the men. That's their role. And I completely disagree with that position. I am not a hard complimentarian and I will not be a hard complimentarian. And if you want to come at me for that, come at me for that. I'm fine with that. My email address is beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Um, Send it on. You know, I will gladly respond to you. But you know, I say all that because, again, the the whole point of this is to say let's have a discussion. Let's talk about what the Bible actually says. Mm-hmm. Let's get down to it. What is a pastor? A pastor is one person. A pastor is not a dude standing on a stage in front of five thousand people and three campuses on video screens. That is, you know. I said this before and I'll say it again. If your pastor doesn't know your name, he's not your pastor. And I will stand by that statement. 100% I'll stand behind that statement. So we've derailed that long, long, far enough. We got to get our walkthrough on second Timothy done before we're here all night long. <laughs> well,
1: let's fly through this. So um, we're not going to fly through it. Like, super fast but maybe we will i don't know um so second timothy starts with a salutation and thanksgiving which is a little different than uh, some of other paul's letters um paul's um like like in uh contrast to first timothy and titus when we talked to when we talk about titus um those those intros are much more business like um this letter mm-hmm. has a thanksgiving at the beginning um yeah. and that's also going to point to what's coming in the letter too. so um just keep an eye out for that um so here in the beginning paul's gonna identify himself as the author and timothy as the recipient of this letter um paul's gonna emphasize this is the the sincere faith that he's passed down or that has been passed down from timothy's grandmother and timothy's mother um so kind of showing that like the history of the faith in timothy's life um yes. and in Timothy's uh, heritage i guess is is the right word to say there um and then paul's going to encourage Timothy to fan the flames of his spiritual gift and remind him to not be timid but to rely on the power of god's spirit um so paul paul's basically reminding Timothy like hey stay strong stay firm stay ablaze for for jesus mm-hmm. um and, and and continue to keep doing the things that that Paul has told Timothy to do in the past. So, um Paul's just like reiterating other, you know, what he's obviously told Timothy to do in the past. So, um there's going to be a couple of appeals here. Um, so this first appeal comes in uh, the rest of chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. Um, Paul's going to continue to exhort Timothy to be bold, not be ashamed of the gospel, but he's going to do this with a twofold charge. So first he's uh Paul is going to um encourage Timothy to join Paul in suffering for the gospel um which I I just think like I'm going to encourage you to be bold by joining me in my suffering. <laughs> Like, Paul is a great uh, motivational speaker. I don't know if (laughs) that sounds
0: fantastic. Um, Paul would not do well in 20th century America, just for the record.
1: No, I'm pretty sure we would be getting a letter. Um, (laughs) And then then Paul is going to tell Timothy to guard what has been entrusted to him. So, um, you know, Paul's going to talk about the work of the Spirit, um, Christ. He's going to talk about the gospel. He's going to... You know, point back to his own example. Um, and then Paul's going to use a lot of metaphors through this section. Um, he's going to talk about um, a soldier, an athlete and a farmer. Um, and, and he's going to, he's going to use these examples, these uh, metaphors to explain to Timothy, how Timothy should be living out his faith and how he's going to be able to remain bold in the gospel and not be ashamed of it. Um, so the uh, the soldier metaphor is going to tell Timothy how to endure hardship mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I don't feel like I have to explain any of these, so I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> so uh soldier endures hardship, an athlete is disciplined and remains disciplined, um, mm-hmm. and then a farmer works diligently. And so yeah. Paul is going to say, look, Timothy, you're going to endure hardship. Here's how you do it. You need to stay disciplined. Here's how you do it, and you need to work diligently for the Lord. Here's how you do it, and, and so, yeah. um, so Paul's really, really laying the, almost laying the sidewalk out for for Timothy, and just Timothy, all he's got to do is walk along and not trip. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's that's pretty what simple. I, that's what I feel like is happening here. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then we're going to get into the rest of chapter two in the first part of chapter three. Um, Paul is going to give some context for that first appeal. Um, it's going to be the uh, the false teachers that we talked about a lot last uh, two weeks ago when we went through First Timothy. Um, this entire section you need to place in context of the first letter. Um, so um, you look back to what Paul wrote in First Timothy and apply it here. Um, Paul's going to continue to warn, Uh, Paul is going to continue to word Timothy against quarreling over words. He's going to encourage Timothy to prevent, to uh, present himself as a workman approved by God. Um, And so, um, you know, the quarreling over words, like the words you say, like stuff does like that stuff doesn't matter. The gospel is what matters. Um, And then, you know, present yourself as a workman approved by God um Mm -hmm. yeah Timothy's identity is in Christ and so you know that is enough and and Paul is reminding Timothy like look you don't have to do anything else your identity is in Christ you just have to say that and and that and that that would be sufficient for 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 that so um, and then Paul's gonna describe the characteristics of false teachers. They have corrupt minds, they lead people astray. And then I feel like maybe this is where we get a lot of the um a lot of the discussion and uh division among churches is this next line I'm about to say. Um, but Paul's gonna stress the need for sound doctrine and warns mm-hmm. of the challenges and persecution that believers will face. And so, like I feel like and I could be totally off base on this, but I feel like when when Christians read Scripture and they study church history and they do all those do they do all those things, they develop or they lean certain ways theologically, and then mm-hmm. when it's challenged, they don't want to hear it. And so I I I would like to like. I feel like Anthony and I are pretty, like we may not agree with you, but we will at least listen to what you have to say. A lot of, oh yeah, uh, I feel like a lot of believers are not that way. Like, if you challenge them right. on anything theologically that's against what they hold to, yeah, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And so,
0: so let me. So, yeah, I, I'm going to pick on my own camp here for a second. So, I definitely trend or lean towards Calvinism. Okay, I, I've I've admitted that multiple times, and you know I, that's just, that's just my understanding. Okay, but I'm not afraid of somebody to come in and say, "Hey, I have this issue with Calvinism. Like, here's my problem," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Okay, cool. You know, let's let's talk about it." But there's a group commonly known in inside of Calvinistic groups and, and inside of theological circles in general as cage stage Calvinists. And these are people who have like just recently converted to Calvinism and they're like all gung-ho and they're like Calvinism is the best and only Calvinism. And, and like you get these, and they're like, these are the people who are keyword warriors who are just like yelling and screaming on the internet. And, and it's a, uh, don't get me wrong, it's not limited to only Calvinists. Like there there's people like this in every camp just about, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pick on my own camp for just a second. Like that does zero good. Right. So stop it. Because yeah. it's dumb.
1: Yeah, the the only the only thing that those specific individuals do is uh drive the accuracy of those memes and gifs where you see like <laughs> <laughs> oh, that person over there doesn't know I'm a Calvinist, and it's just like somebody sprinting across the field to tell them that, "Hey, I'm a Calvinist." Like, like, <laughs> and here's why you should be one too. I mean, all those—that's—that's why, <laughs> that's why. That's all those people. That's all those people are doing is—is, is yeah, making those kind of jokes accurate. Like, there's, yeah. there's truth in a lot of humor. But you don't want to be, like, so overzealous and so obnoxious about it that you make it, like, sickeningly true. Yeah. Like, just, just because you believe, like, just because you lean Calvinist doesn't mean all the people in your life, like, I don't know. There's people in my life who probably don't know or probably don't care that I lean more Calvinist. Yeah. You know? And so why would I and, even? And they why? shouldn't. They shouldn't. <laughs> that like That's the thing. That's, that's not a like, primary or secondary. I don't think it's even tertiary. I, I think it's not even on the list. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be divided up by whether or not <laughs> you were or weren't Calvinist. <laughs> You know, the Calvinists are not getting bigger houses in heaven, just for the record. <laughs> it's like the smoking and non-smoking section. You know? so are you in the Calvinist we, section? I mean, we might or get the smoking
0: section. That's entirely that, possible.
1: Well, that's fine. And I, I'd be OK <laughs> with that. But like or the smoking section is not going to be divided into the Calvinist smoking, and <laughs> Calvinist non-smoking. You know? like, True so, that. <laughs> so. If we let's have discussions about things that matter, let's have debates about things that matter. I think there are things that we and I guess 194 episodes in it feels like we're we keep coming back around to the same topics, but you know, it is what it is. But there are things that Christians get like up in arms about
0: mm-hmm.
1: that do not matter at all. Amen. And there are things that matter greatly that Christians turn the other cheek to like, they just like, Amen. they just like look away and it's like, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. That makes me uncomfortable. Like yeah. man up, like I want to say something else, but I'm not going to, but like man up <laughs> gets, you know, figure out what's important to debate and discuss and the stuff that's not let it go just let it go You're like Elsa if it's exactly I mean but if it if it's <laughs> if it's not clearly laid out in scripture stop debating about it yeah if something is clearly laid out in scripture and you have two sides of it okay go at it go for it but if it's not clearly laid out in scripture have your strong belief but keep it to yourself
0: well here's the thing the things that are clearly laid out in scripture when we're talking about the perspicuity of scripture yeah, I just used it's a big word. I did that. When we're talking about the clarity of Scripture, a.k.a. the perspicuity of Scripture, we are talking about gospel issues. Okay? If it is not a gospel issue, Calvinism is not a gospel issue. Arminianism is not a gospel issue. Eschatology is not a gospel issue. Okay? I'll say it. I'll say I'll say it a hundred times. They're not. Shut your mouth if you're if you're trying to make Calvinism and Arminianism a gospel issue. Here's the thing: Arminius believed in justification by faith alone. Some may disagree with me a little bit on that, but the the readings of Arminius that I have done, Arminius affirmed justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay. And, 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 you know, it's when we're talking about things outside of that, it does not matter. Shut your mouth. It does not matter. Quit making a fool of yourself because the book of Proverbs says it's better to keep your mouth shut than to open your mouth and prove yourself a fool. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 100%, I agree with you because it's, I mean, it's, it's like we want to run our mouths about tertiary issues because we just feel like running our mouths. And and it's a lot easier to run your mouth about a tertiary issue than it is a primary gospel issue. And, and, and to be 100% honest, that's probably what leads to the vast majority of division in the church today is people running their mouths about tertiary issues that don't matter. And so let's, let's be honest. You know, I'm, I feel like I try to be honest about where I stand on Calvinism, Arminianism, you know, eschatology, things like that. I know what I believe. And if you disagree with me, okay, let's sit down and have a beer and talk about it. Because at the end of the day, you're a believer in Christ. I'm a believer in Christ. We're one in the gospel, Ephesians four, there's one hope, one baptism, and we're united in that. Outside of that, Let's just talk about it. Let's just chill. Let's have a smoke. Let's have a drink and talk about it. Yeah. Because it's not going to affect your salvation or my salvation. You know, let's only focus. Let's only get heated about gospel issues. And let's not get heated about the rest of this stupid crap. Almost said a bad word there. I held myself back.
1: You should be proud. (laughs) but that's it. That's, that's all I wanted to say about that. So, um, that gets us through, uh, second Timothy three, (laughs) nine, we've got a chapter and a half left. Let's try to wrap this thing up.
0: (laughs) Let's do this. We're going to do this in like three minutes. Um, so yeah, the final couple of chapters here, the last half of chapter three and all of chapter four, Paul's going to make a final appeal. He's going to reflect on his own example, uh, of, of going through suffering, uh, for the purpose of the gospel um he's going inter- to incur- encourage encourage Timothy to follow in his own footsteps and, and you know uh this is more of the imitate me as i imitate Christ uh stuff from Paul he talks about in other other books um he's going to remind Timothy that scripture uh, is the authority you know this is where we get um 31617 for all scriptures, God breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting uh the, the man of God. This the same concept here. We're we're talking about how we train ourselves in righteousness. Paul's gonna tell Timothy, hey, rely on scripture, solo scriptura right there. Um, he's gonna charge Timothy to preach the word in season, out of season, whenever you can preach the word, Timothy. Um, so that's gonna get us through chapter four, the end of chapter four. He's going to wrap it up with with just kind of a couple of, of I guess you could call this like cursory things. Um, the reason for the letter, why he's writing Paul, is going to share some personal information. This is where it gets to like that last will and testament feel. He's going to talk about he doesn't know if he's going to make it and all those kind of things, and and he's going to encourage Timothy to remain loyal. He's going to talk about the folks who did remain loyal to him over this time, and he's going to express confidence in God's deliverance from every evil deed. He's going to talk about the anticipation of, of what's to come, the heavenly kingdom, things like that. And then he's going to close it out really with just his normal greetings. He's going to say that he wants to come visit Timothy. Not sure if he can or not, but he wants to, he's going to mission, some other people that we've already heard of Priscilla, Aquila, Onisiphorus. I hope I said that right. That's one of the ones that I'm not real sure about. um, and, Onesif- and he's gonna talk about Onesif- how these people have helped Onesifris- him. Oh. Onesophorus. I think that's right. Yeah,
1: that sounds right. That um, sounds better.
0: <laughs> and he's gonna give a close, a benediction, like he normally does. Um, just just to Timothy to close it out. And so it's it's really the normal closing for Paul when he gets out his final greetings and, and things like that. But you know, we we've like, we've totally side railed this thing tonight a little bit, but, but I think it's a good discussion because it really gets to the point of things that matter when it comes to scripture. And when it comes to scripture, we know that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, correcting and rebuking people. And so, you know, if anything we've said has offended you tonight, please, by all means, send us an email. We don't mind, you know, tag us on Instagram. We don't mind. I will gladly discuss anything with you. And so, you know, take our discussion, take it for what it is. If you disagree, come on, let's, let's have a discussion about it. If you don't drink beer, I'm sorry that you listen to this podcast because that's what we do. We drink beer. (laughs) So, but, but, uh, you know, I think it's encouraging for us as believers today to just say, you know what? Let's be more like Paul and Timothy, Mm -hmm. Paul and Timothy, laid it on the line. They were just like, here's where it is, man. Here's what you got to do. You know, they were open, they communicated, and and they were like father and son, you know. And and I think that we need a lot more Christian relationships like that. that are just yeah. open and can communicate freely and just say, here's where I think you're wrong, here's where I think you're right, and move on to the next thing. So, yeah. That's all I have for Second Timothy unless you have something else to add. Michael, would you pray for us?
1: I would love to. So um, let's pray together. Um, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for, um, this good discussion that we had, God. We know we, uh, got off the rails a little bit tonight, but, um, we know that you, uh, were blessed and honored and, um, are hopefully honored in our conversation tonight. Um, but God, thank you for uh, second Timothy. Thank you for this book. Um, God, uh, just thank you for the truths that we, that we find in this book and in all of scripture, God, we know that, um, all of your word is, um, Breathe by you inspired by you um and that is good for teaching and, and uh, rebuking and training in righteousness god so that we may be complete and lack nothing um god that's not a complete in a um healthy whole way or a, a complete and everything we need way but god um that we are complete and have um have all we need from you um so um God, I just pray that we are reminded of that each day, that we uh, strive to spend time in your word each day and strive to spend time with you each day, God. Um, I just pray that you um, continue to um, just let us have this opportunity to get together and um, talk about your word. Um, Thank you for um, this study. I know it's been a long time, but God, I thank you that um, we're still learning and hashing things out each and every week um and i pray that that continues on as we continue through the study so um jesus thank you so much for um everything you've done for us your death on the cross your resurrection um and and how you are with us uh, each and every step God, i pray that we remember that uh, each day um we love you we uh, thank you for um, everything you've done and who you are and we pray all of this in jesus precious name amen
0: Amen. Anthony, if
1: people want to find the Beers and Bible podcast on social media or would like to email us and tell us how wrong we are about all of our hot takes, where would they do that?
0: <laughs> hot takes. Uh, you can, e- e- let's start with Instagram. You can Instagram message us at underscore. You can hit us up on the twitter or the x at beers and bible p1 you can find us on the facebook at beers and bible podcast just search beers and bible podcast and then you can email us directly like jerry did thanks jerry i appreciate your email we appreciate your email beers and bible podcast at gmail.com is where you can do that we look forward to your questions to your challenges to your telling us why all of our beer selections are terrible and we need to get a new rating system Uh, Next week But yes That's where you can find us So until next week I hope that your beer stays cold And your Bible stays open Please leave it open And we'll see you later Peace Out